talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Friday Buckeye Talk. Doug Landry, Safe the Bears, Stephen Beans, and the influential Buckeyes for the 2022 football season. This is the list we put together. Our votes, texter votes, how valuable are you? How special are you? How beloved are you? We've been running through the top 25 Buckeyes. We've done two episodes so far, and we are now into the top 10. So, guys, this is the threshold. We're going to do numbers 10 through 5 today. This was an overall 50-point rating. If you got the max points you could get from everybody, you would get 50. These players are between 40 points, 40 exactly, is 10th, and 43.33 is 5th. So those are the six guys we're going to talk about. And then the number four guy is 45.8. So that's a little bit of a jump. It just sort of as with it worked out by luck that we sort of have very clear lines. Numbers 25 through 17, that was nine players who were between 30 and 35. Then we number 16 through 11, that was six players between 35 and 40. And now here we are. We're doing between 40 and 45. And Nathan, this is the threshold, which I think has been a valuable guide for us. Generally speaking, when you did this rating, you thought these guys were like pretty solid all-American candidates. Like that's their potential. That's their upside. That's the discussion point around these six guys, correct? Exactly. Yeah. And there was, you know, a difference again. That's on the the um, the special side that you would be. These guys are if you use their name and all American in the same sentence, nobody thinks you're you're wildly off. And on the other side, the importance value, it's somebody who if they're missing this season, you think, oh, well, maybe it isn't as easy for Ohio State to win a Big Ten championship because this guy is just sort of absent completely. And either because he is that good or because of the what, what else they have at that position, it, it leaves a huge hole. So it's an interesting group, and let me run through very quickly the players we have already covered so that anyone catching up or, you know, people aren't writing down the list as we go along, which is fine if you don't do that. Buckeye Talk should not feel like homework. Number 25, Steel Chambers. 24, Tanner McAllister. 23, Mike Hall. 22, Noah Ruggles. 21, Kyle McCord. 20, J.K. Johnson. 19, Tyleek Williams. 18, Julian Fleming, 17, Matthew Jones. That was our first group on the first pod. Then we went to Jordan Hancock at 16, Luke Whippler at 15, Emeka Buk at 14, Zach Harrison at 13, Ronnie Hickman at 12, and Josh Proctor at 11. Those were the six guys we discussed on the next pod. Steven, there are some young dudes that we are discussing today. There are some second-year Buckeyes in this group of six and in this overall top 10, again, and it's not just best players for for this year. It's something more than that. Does it make sense to you that we are leaning a little young here, possibly? A little bit. I think what ends up happening here a little bit is 11 through 16. You see more of the value dominate the conversation while then six through 10, you're going to see a lot more of the, 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 the special because it is a lot of what we think might, they might be able to do and not necessarily proven yet. We'll see that dominate. And then once we get into the top five, that's when you'll see both come together. No, I think that's a good way to say it. And it's hard because 
valuable, Nathan, like really matters, but boy, is special fun. Like I, I do think there's almost a world where, where sometimes, I don't know, sometimes we can tend to maybe almost lean special too much in conversations like this because special is so fun to talk about. And, and honestly, um, upside and potential and what you can be really, really matters at a place like Ohio state. Like you're not just looking for a bunch of solid guys. You're looking for extraordinary. So, so Steve, I mean, like you wind up in a world where sometimes we're so eager for extraordinary. It's like, well, you know, he hasn't done it yet, but boy, he sure could, boy, he sure could. But I think for a list like this, like that's, that's okay. Right. It's okay to be obsessed with that. Yeah. I think for the most part, Ohio state's, more talented than everybody else in its conference. So it can win a big 10 championship based on just guys with high value, but special wins you a national championship. Yeah. And that's what we're, that's what the point of this exercise right now. No. Right. And, and, you know, I think there have been some, some times in the last, especially on the defensive side of the ball Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years where it's felt like they haven't had enough special. So then for us to be like very interested in special in something like this, I think is appropriate and makes sense. So again, just to, to lean into um, this group of young guys, there are one, two, three, four, let me count, let me count, five, five, six, Nathan, six of the top 10 remaining are sophomores, our second year players are from the class, the recruiting class of 2021, six of the top 10 are all in their second year in the program. Are we a little nuts, Nathan, or is that class that class was number two in the country. They're so good. That's completely appropriate. I think it's a combination of appropriate. And then also other classes maybe haven't stepped up quite the same. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we probably thought at this point, Someone like Julian Fleming, I hate to keep bringing him up. I'm not trying to pick on him, but just, you know, the number one receiver in the country, you would think in his third year would be in the top 10 of this list. He's not. There's there's some other guys. There were some vacancies there that some of these sophomores have stepped up and taken. And with that in mind, number 10 on our list is a receiver, and it's Marvin Harrison Jr. He is exactly a 40. He was actually, uh, when it comes to the Q rating from Texters, he was seventh overall. He was an 8.3 out of 10 for the Texters. So they are very excited about Marvin Harrison Jr. Everybody's excited about Marvin Harrison Jr. Steven, is it appropriate that Marvin Harrison Jr. is in our top 10? Uh, yeah, I had him 11th, but I get it. There's value there because of what he did in the, in the Rose Bowl and how, other times that he's flashed. And also he might be extremely special and it's not just because he's the son of a hall of famer anymore i think it's because of what we've seen from him and where that might go going forward so yeah i think it's appropriate that he's flirting with top 10 category here what do you think about marvin harrison in the top 10 nathan yeah he's he's sixth on my list and i as much as we talked about the second receiver and how it probably doesn't necessarily need to be a, a superstar emerging you don't need a wilson to an alave or however you want to to describe jsn but he's the guy of that group that I look at and I say he might be the most on the cusp 
of a, of a huge blowout of a huge Jackson Smith and Jigba type season, which maybe nobody ever has another Jackson Smith the Jigba type season except himself. But you know what I'm saying? One of those seasons where you jump from being uh, just sort of a name uh, known to re- recruiting circles and maybe really deep Big Ten fans. And now you are prominent in college football. I could see that happening for him this year. So we all know that Marvin Harrison Jr. had six catches for 71 yards and three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl against Utah. Do we know how many catches and yards he had in every other game combined last year? Anybody want to guess? Five catches, zero touchdowns. Five catches, uh, 68 yards in the 12 regular season games. Six for 71 in the Rose Bowl. Steven, if he did not have six for 71 and three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl, would he be this high on this list? Um, maybe not. Maybe he'd be 14, though. I don't think the national viewpoint of Marvin Harrison would be there, but I think us as people who cover this team on a daily basis would still be talking about him a certain way because everything else, I mean, he did flash in those other moments, but then also they've put up enough stuff on him on social media. That's had us all going, Whoa, look how big he is. Look at all the stuff he's doing that there's enough there that we'd be talking about him. Um, But I think it would be a step below where we're going to talk about some of these other second year guys. There's a part of me that wonders if we're putting too much on him, he can't surprise anybody anymore. He has 11 catches in his life and he's 10th on this list for a team that people think has a good chance to win a national championship. Nathan, it's, it's a, not a tough spot to be in, but this is a lot of expect expectation for a guy who basically didn't do anything during the regular season a year ago is there some chance that we're all collectively, the three of us, the people listening, the people voting on the texts, that we're out over our skis on Marvin Harrison Jr.? I suppose, yeah, it's, it's possible. It's possible that we're jumping the gun a little too much on him. You know, we didn't calibrate our ratings, so we all came from a different perspective on that. I had him for a 17 in special compared to a 14 for Ibuka and Fleming. How different is that from how you guys looked at it? And do you think that's off base to say that he right now, as we know today, is more is that much more special? No, I said 15 value, 17 special for him. I had 16 for Ibuka and then 15 for Fleming. And then I won't reveal my Jackson special yet, but I think anybody can guess what it might be. Yeah, I had. uh, You know what? Yeah, I actually had Fleming special higher than Marvin Harrison Jr.'s, because that's like a, if everything comes together, he was the number Mm. one recruit in his class. He's sort of been sidelined, but maybe it's all still there. But I had the value for Marvin Harrison Jr. higher because we sort of expect he's certainly going to start. Marvin Harrison Jr., our value rankings were a 14, 15, 16, and our special rankings were a 16, 17, 17. So I do think, and that's part of it, Nathan, he wasn't the number one receiver in his class, He had five catches in the regular season last year, but yet I think we've all come around on the idea that like, man, this guy is special, but I'm not exactly sure. Like, is that only based on the Rose Bowl? Why do we all think he's that special when he wasn't a five-star recruit and when he barely played for the regular season? Is it just the Rose Bowl? Well, I think the Rose Bowl is a significant part of that, and I don't think that's necessarily unwarranted. Although, again, we have to bring up the caveat of Utah playing with a compromised secondary in that game. 
But as Stephen said, also, there's been other observations around the program, whether that's the things that they've put out. And those are cherry picked. They're not going to put a clip of him stumbling or dropping a pass out there. So caveat there as well. But those flashes, the way that uh, people around this program talk about him, the way the impression you get from talking to him, all of those, I think, bake into why the um, floor seems so high for him going into the second year. And I think the pedigree is is worthwhile mentioning too. That's completely unfair, I suppose. Not everybody who's the son of a Hall of Famer who plays the same position is going to just be amazing, but it doesn't hurt. Can I go out on a ledge here? And you guys are going to get a little bit annoyed, but I'm going to do it anyway. You already shut the window. You can't. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Steven <laughs> shut the window so we wouldn't hear the traffic as much before we started. Okay. What is the difference between Jamar Chase and Marvin Harrison heading into their second year? I don't know what Jamar Chase's steps. I didn't, were, I so didn't I, cover I Jamar okay, Chase. For start, okay, for starters, they're around the same recruiting ranking. Like, literally, like, Jamar Chase's uh, composite was 84 nationally and 15th among wide receivers in his class, and Marvin Harrison was 94 nationally and 14th among wide receivers, and they're both around the same, like, star rating. Jamar Chase had 23 catches for 313 yards and three touchdowns. And then he turned into the best wide receiver in the country after basically doing nothing. So like the idea of a top 100 and then like J- Jackson Smith, the jig literally just did the same thing a year ago where he went from, I did absolutely nothing to maybe he should have been a letting the call for award finalist. So that's part of this, this, you know, you're a top 100 receiver in an offense who's going to throw the ball around you can easily go from doing absolutely nothing to being one of the best wide receivers in the country in 12 months. Which I guess sort of proves the point I'm bringing up here. I'm not trying to talk down Marvin Harrison Jr. at all. Because I think we're all, for whatever reason, and it's some combination of Rose Bowl, off-season TikTok videos or whatever, and Hall of Fame pedigree, right? There's some combination of things here that have all led us to this point where in having a conversation about Marvin Harrison Jr., you just referenced like the best college receiver of the last decade who like helped this team get to the Super Bowl as a rookie and yeah. the guy who just set the record for the best receiving season in Big Ten history as the reference points, reference points for Marvin Harrison Jr. And I'm just saying in the 2021 recruiting class, he was the 14th receiver in his class. He was the 13th highest rated player in Ohio State's class that year. He was behind Reed Carrico and Evan Pryor. And now we're like, oh, Marvin Harrison Jr. He's a sure thing. And I'm just wondering. I, I think we are putting a little too much on him, but there is a very good chance that he's absolutely going to live up to it, but it's not quite like JTT, right? It's not quite like Trivion Henderson, Nathan, like it's not as of a direct line. A lot of times we do this with five-star recruits. This guy was a very good recruit. He was a borderline top 100 recruit. Ohio State has borderline top 100 recruits all the time, all the time. He was behind JK Johnson and Jordan Hancock who also didn't play at all last year, just like Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't play at all. And so that's all, Nathan. Like, I'm just I'm just being a party pooper because I don't want people to, like, be disappointed if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't have 1,100 receiving, uh, receiving yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you nine and three Marvin Harrison Jr. right that now? That is exactly. 
That is a very, that's a very succinct way of putting it. Yes. Nine catches for three yards, three <laughs> catches for nine yards. Yes. So look, I mean, no, you're right. I think you're making a, a good point. I think you're making a good point, but I would, I would also say that there are some players that we have not mentioned yet who you're going to, we're going to probably still need to make the same. What exactly have they done so far to warrant that ranking? But I think that's the difference between him and those other players. I think that's actually what brings him down in comparison to some of these other players is their value is probably higher than his because of the positions they play. Wow. Also, part of the the Marvin Harrison ranking thing is just that you're right. He was a borderline top 100 recruit. And the problem is that's not the player who ended up showing up here for the spring. Like, and they'll even say that he showed up looking a lot different than the kid that Brian Hartline will go out to Philly to see. And that caught everybody off guard. So it's almost like, what if the kid who showed up here to Columbus would have been that going into his senior year of high school? Would he have been a five-star? Maybe. Or maybe he just would have been top 50. Who knows? But that's part of this is the number 97 player is not who showed up on Columbus, in Columbus. No, I think that's a good point, too. I think that also is part of this mix. Whatever I was trying to say, Hall yeah. of Fame pedigree, Rose Bowl, offseason highlights. There was something with this guy last spring. A year ago when it was like, yo, hey, what is up with that? That was like sort of like when Chase Young showed up, but Chase Young was already five star. But there's right. there's just some guys who show up the first time they step on the field in spring football. It's like, well, that certainly looks good. And he fit that mold. So I think that contributes to it as well. By the way, just double checking five of the six guys that we are talking about today on this pod our second year players. So I don't think he could be any higher than this. Although Nathan, you make a good point. There's also some second year guys who haven't done a whole lot who are higher than him. I'm not disputing that he should be here. I'm not, but it is one of those things where it's like, we do want to take special into account. We do want to take upside and all that kind of thing. But like, you know, Ronnie Hickman led this team in tackles last year and is below Marvin Harrison jr. On this list. But again, that is sort of the intention of the list. All right. Tenth is Marvin Harrison Harrison Jr. I almost got through it. I almost got. I said his name 11 times, and I didn't say Marvin Harrison until the last time. If I was a a lesser man, I'd edit it, but I'm not. I let you guys see me, warts and all. MHJ, he was exactly a 40. 40 40.36 is Jack Sawyer. This is a guy. Now, Jack Sawyer doesn't have a ton more than Marvin Harrison Jr. Nathan, I think this is the one a guy, one of the guys you're talking about. There's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of hope. This guy was a five star, though. What do you think about Jack Sawyer ninth on this list, Nathan? It's the range I had him. I had him eleventh, but I had Harrison higher again because um, I don't think you can point to any moment of Jack Sawyer's season after the spring game that compares to what Marvin Harrison did in the Rose Bowl. And I think that counts for something. You you rose to the occasion to that extent in that big of a moment. Um, it, it is fair to question whether they're making too much of that. But I think Jack Sawyer, I look at coming into this year, I'm still on show me the greatness. Whereas with Marvin Harrison, it's a little bit more repeat the greatness. To so be you, fair. You Jack almost Sawyer. think that, that Marvin yeah. Harrison Jr. is more of a sure thing than Jack Sawyer in some way, given what we saw last year, Nathan. Um. <sighs> I guess slightly. I guess slightly. Okay. By the way, same range with the Texters, their rating. Sawyer was sixth in the Texter rating with an 8.36. Harrison 
was seventh with an 8.30. Go ahead, Steve. To be fair, Jack Sawyer was having a decent Rose Bowl, and then he got kicked out of the game. So it's like his opportunity got taken away from him because of a targeting call. But, sure. yeah, I, I understand your, your sentiment with that one. I think, once again, I, and if I could go back, I'd probably change the value on him and the other guy we're going to talk about today, maybe. Um, they need one of these two of that of that those those second year defensive ends they need one of those two guys to be a dude a lot more than they need one of the second tier second year wide receivers to be a dude just because there's more options at wide receiver of who might be a dude while with there's a reason why Sawyer and the other guy are higher than any other wide other defensive lineman on this list so right that Jackson Smith and Jigba is higher on this list than Zach Harrison as the veteran guy at the position, which affects how you then view the young guys at that position. Cause it's not, it's not unfair to sort of, you know, line up Marvin Harrison jr. And a Mecca versus Jack Sawyer and JT two Malowa and say Mm -hmm. like, which duo is going to be more special? Which duo is going to be more valuable, more impactful, have greater production? It's interesting. Again, it's just part of this like tremendous recruiting class that you have guys like that across the board. I'm trying to compare directly Harrison and Sawyer. We rated them pretty similarly. You know what, though? This is interesting. This might be a lot of me. This might be a lot of me. Our... Value rating for Sawyer was a was a fourteen point seven overall. For Harrison, it was a fifteen. So we actually put slightly higher value on Harrison. Special rating, Harrison was a sixteen point seven. Sawyer was a seventeen point three. Nathan, you had Harrison as a seventeen versus Sawyer as a sixteen for special. Stephen, you had Sawyer as an eighteen. Harrison as a seventeen for special. I had Sawyer as an 18, Harrison as a 16 for special. So, Nathan, that's Stephen and I gave a higher special rating to Sawyer than to Harrison. That might be some lingering recruiting ranking in there. Do you think that's wrong, Nathan, based on how you view it? I don't know if wrong is the right word. I just say, again, I've seen something in Marvin Harrison that if he repeats it, it's unquestionably special. I haven't seen that yet really from Jack Sawyer, but that's not me. This is where I think people think like you're being negative on the pot or whatever. That's not me dragging Jack Sawyer because I think he can make a huge jump going into sophomore year. It's just what we've actually more tangibly witnessed. There's a Talik Williams element here though. Cause it's like, he was tied with Tyreek Smith and sacks this year. Now, granted, you know, they came against Akron, Maryland and Nebraska. Well, I'll give him the Nebraska one. Cause that was a close game, which means he was playing meaningful snaps. But like it's kind of the same thing with it's just he's on the edge where we know Ohio State's had superstars. Yeah, the small sample size, right? It's just it is. It's hard. This is a great balance, I think, with covering this team. Is what do you assume? Just because that's normally how it goes here. Hey, you're a big time recruit. Ah, we assume you're going to be a good player. If that's how you view things, you're right a lot. But also. You can't assume a hundred percent, you know, but it's the way college football is designed. You kind of go from not doing much to all of a sudden having a huge role and being really good. And so, you know, I feel like I've, I've a lot of times over the years sort of been sometimes reluctant to assume too much with young players. And a lot of times it's like, no, you're, you're fine. Go ahead and assume they're going to make a gigantic jump and be great players. 
because when you're a huge recruit and you choose to come to Ohio State and you get developed at Ohio State, a lot of times that's exactly how it works out. So um, really close here between these two guys. Go ahead, Nathan. I was going to say two things. Um, even if it is 100%, it happens at different times. And that's kind of also what we're talking about here, too. It's either opportunity or maturation, whatever. Sometimes guys get to the same point at different rates. Number two, the Tyreek Smith comparison, I think, is interesting because we saw Tyreek Smith affecting games in the first half of games in major ways, even when he wasn't getting sacks. And I, it, there was an impact there, a tangible impact that we didn't see from Jack Sawyer, who didn't have the same opportunity. But that's I think you that sort of exemplifies what I'm talking about. I do think it's interesting, too. We have Sawyer slightly ahead. Sawyer was not the best freshman at his position last year. Harrison was? He's higher on the list. Like he was, he, Harrison was a better wide receiver than Emeka Buka. Yes. So, now, was he more impactful? Probably not because Emeka had like a real role, but he was a better wide receiver. Yes. But in talking about like comparing those two defensive ends to the two receivers in that 2021 recruiting class – both defensive ends are ahead of the receivers that Sawyer's ninth as the second defensive end Harrison's 10th as the first receiver of those duos. So very close. And this guy's very close as well. Eighth at 40.41 is Donovan Jackson. And this is a heavy lift for special Nathan. And I think a lot of this, there's at least a couple points in Kevin Wilson comparing Donovan Jackson to Trent Williams and basically saying he's one of the two most gifted offensive linemen I've ever been around. That went a long way with me, and I would imagine it helped drive up him his uh, standing on this list. No, 100%. I think it helps drive up both the impact value and the special because as much as we've heard great things about him and seen great things about him when he was a prospect and everything, the impact value side of things too, I mean, I know he – is going to be a first-time starter, and his offensive line time last year was limited. But if I told you right now that he was out for the year, doesn't it cause a pretty big problem on Ohio State's offensive line? Yeah, more so than I think either defensive end or other receiver probably, right? Just because, yep. again, there's more of a drop-off there, which is part of the your how good your backup is influences how important you are. 15, 16, and 15 in value for Jackson 19, 17, and 19 in special for Jackson. Steven, you and I both gave Donovan Jackson 19s in special. This is a very talented team. If you're 19 out of 20 in special, man, that is some rare territory. But that's you felt he deserved that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I understand a lot of that is, I mean, I've been on a I don't I mean, maybe bland. Yeah, definitely Landis has probably been the, the conductor of the Donovan Jackson um, hype train, but I'm definitely sitting somewhere on that train in that car. And it's the fact that he's also the backup left tackle. If we're being honest here. Yeah, I mean, he's if something went wrong at one of the two tackle spots, it's very possible that Donovan Jackson would help solve that problem. Maybe so. not that game, but I think long term they would put him there. And they've just talked about this guy in a certain way that, again, there's some lingering recruiting stuff here. He is the number 19 overall recruit in that 2021 class. Um, one, two, three, four, five, which only made him the fifth player for the Buckeyes. It's just a remarkable class. They had seven five stars in that class. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable group. So, but But Nathan, we're talking about 
uh, a top 20 national recruit who had a minor, minor role last year, but is exactly on track because offensive line, you just really don't expect an offensive lineman to play as a true freshman unless there's a problem. And they didn't have a problem last year because they had four tackles and two of them played guard. He's on track and nobody has said anything other than this guy looks awesome since the time he get, got here. So, Nathan, do you think it's appropriate that he's ahead of Jack Sawyer and Marvin Harrison Jr.? Or would you have Did you have these three in a different order yourself? I, I had Harrison Jr. and Jackson, well, actually the exact same score across the board. Um, so they were basically tied for sixth, I guess, here. Okay. And so was somebody else. So it, it's, it's just in clusters. The same way you've been reading it. We have our own clusters, I think. Probably should go over our lists. Um, with Jackson, you know, I was the one who gave him a 17 out of special. But again, by the rating I was using, 15 is All-American. So a guy who has never been a starter before, I am kind of already assuming is All-American status and who, who has barely played, I'm assuming is All-American status going into his second year, like beyond All-American status. Not quite Heisman worthy, but like sure All-American in his career status. Yeah. Okay. MHJ, Sawyer, DJX. They are 10, 9, and 8 on this list. When we come back, we'll get to number 7, number 6, and number 5 next on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Doug Nathan and Steven back. It's another second year guy at number seven, and it's Denzel Burke. That's a 41.08. Donovan Jackson was 40.41. Denzel Burke at seventh, Steven. I think maybe this is the lowest he could be. I mean, like the, what he did last year, he played like every snap from the first game. And we just covered how the last three guys barely played during the regular season. Denzel Burke was their best cornerback as a true freshman. I don't think he could be any lower. I'm not sure he should be higher. Steven, what do you think of Denzel Burke at seven here? I think I pulled him down. And it's because my special was really low on him in comparison. To, and I think a lot of that is, I think right now I'm sold on the idea that he's ahead of the other two top 100 guys because he showed up in January and they showed up in June and they might catch up to him now that everything's equal. But yeah, he was their best cornerback as a true freshman and he's only going to get better from here. But he's actually, th- the, for the most part, he's the known com- commodity because everybody else has questions, whether it's health or just we just haven't seen it yet. You think it's possible that by the time their careers are over, because it's interesting. I mean, it's fair. Again, as a group, you think of Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, and J.K. Johnson as a trio. These three corners in the class of 2021. It was Hancock, Johnson, Burke in recruiting ranking, but it was Burke who got on the field because he was here early. But you Mm -hmm. think by the end of their careers at Ohio State, it's possible Burke's not the best one of that trio. I think there's a good chance that, once the playing field gets equal, he might be the third best of the three. And I'm not saying that's a negative thing at all. So the value rating was very high for us because, again, this is like, okay, well, you take Denzel Burke out of the mix. We had him 19, 18, and 18 on the value ratings. But if I have this right, Nathan, you also didn't have him super high and special. No, I had him 14 
on by my list. But again, that it's only that only sounds <laughs> that only sounds low comparatively. Fifteen being all American status, and I think we have to be a little bit careful. The way you're talking about um, pumping the brakes on Marvin Harrison, it's a different automobile. But we maybe need to pump him a little bit on Denzel Burke because I'm not sure we should be talking about him yet as like cream of the crop cornerbacks in college football. I, I think to say that he was Ohio State's best cornerback last year, well, somebody had to be. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of a default thing that somebody's going to win every year. And I think he was very good as a true freshman, much better than we expected as a true freshman. I just want to see the, the the actual special things happening as opposed to something else that has tremendous value, which is going out there and doing your job every day. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying that there's other guys – who either because of their pedigree or because things you've already seen on the field deserve scores higher. I couldn't match his score against um, some of the other guys that are on this list. Yeah, because in college football, nobody follows. The value of a corner is so much more tied to the, the to a front than it is at the NFL level. And so maybe he was very good last year, but because they weren't necessarily getting the sacks they needed, he had to cover a lot more often. So you saw his mistakes and his flaws just as often as you saw his special moments. So like him being really good, that's great. David Bell still had six catches for 75 yeah. yards. And I don't know if that was his exact stat line. I'm pulling that out of thin air, but that, that's my point there is like Jeff Okuda is only as good as Chase Young is. And that's always right. going to be the case at the college level. He gave up some stuff in the Michigan game, right? Which I mean, yeah. everybody there's a lot of guys from Ohio state who maybe didn't play at their absolute best in the Michigan game. He was an 8.08 from the texters, which made him eighth overall. So that's right. You know, and then he's, he's seventh on the overall list. I think it's an interesting point. You guys are bringing up that sometimes there are guys, not that you peak as a freshman, but you show maybe more of your ceiling earlier than some guys do. And so maybe, you know, there's a lot, more ceiling left for Hancock and Johnson and Burke is if Burke is 85% of the player of what he's going to become, that is a tremendous credit to him that he was able to show that as a true freshman and as a guy who had not necessarily played a ton of defense, right? What he did last year, again, we're comparing players to each other. We're trying to temper expectations. We're not trying to be, we're not trying to be negative. What he did last year, Nathan was seriously remarkable that like it's like oh hey who who are the corners it's like oh well seven banks that's the minnesota game is seven banks warming up he's what who's there what that because like the other guys who played early out of necessity ryan watson legend cavazos they were older than denzel burke they're not here anymore yeah denzel burke was the youngest guy of that group they wound up playing three corners early out of necessity and denzel burke was the youngest one he was the best one, and he's the only one of those three who's still here. His contribution last year to a faulty defense, it would have been faultier if he didn't yes. step up and do what he did. One of the more remarkable true freshman seasons, I think, that we've seen at Ohio State in recent years. And I would totally hear the argument that that deserves to be considered as special or more than some of these higher touted prospects who maybe haven't actually done it on the field yet. I would totally hear that if you're, if you're putting a score on things, by the way, David Bell, 11 catches for 103 yards in that game. Not that it matters, but just for the, just for posterity. Yeah. 
So I do think, Stephen, and part of it, there's something to Denzel Burke, right? People think Brian Hartline thinks Denzel Burke's got a little something to him. They think this is a little bit of an, an under-the-radar guy who has an approach, who has a mentality that will allow him to continue to be great. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't want people to think we're talking him down. It is an interesting conversation about ceiling which I think is what we're talking about here. Um, I definitely had a higher special grade on him than you guys did, but I don't think you're wrong with the way you guys are sort of talking about it. I'm very curious to see what Denzel Burke looks like in year two, Stephen. He won't be worse, but will he be about the same? Or will be like, oh my goodness, no, he's one of the five best corners in college football. He's the best cornerback in the Big Ten. We don't don't know, but, but I think either of those scenarios are possible. There's definitely room for his special to grow. Like if we do this midseason, we all might be going, oh, Denzel Park specials on 19. But then also it could be a 13 and Jordan Hancock's could be a 19. I think at yep. corner, those three guys, all of those guys special can grow. And yep. their value is just going to be what it is because there's three of them. 41. If I was an Ohio State fan, if I'm an Ohio State fan, I don't nitpick this too much like you've got a a sophomore cornerback you're going to have a cornerback for the next two years that you can count on and you know is going to get the job done and that has massive uh appeal and we're discussing here whether whether maybe he should have been fifth instead of seventh he's one of the 10 he's in his value is indisputable he's really good and so we're having a discussion about like is he really really good or is he really good after one year so he's seventh on this list 41.08 41.08 sixth is 41.81 so almost a jump in a point kind of a big gap and it's dewan jones the only guy we're going to talk about today who is not a second year player dewan jones right tackle sixth on this list nathan is that right he's fifth on my list um the the, the importance and value are in this, like, I probably have him even low at 18 because, as we've talked about many times, this team is you know one turned angle away from a, a big problem at tackle. But I think last year he he showed that he can be truly special too. I don't think it was a complete season. I know that he's not um, uh, satisfied with the way that it finished, especially the the Michigan performance. But I also think that considering the trajectory of his career, that he is making the strides that they saw um, from like a diamond in the rough perspective. Like if, if things go as well as they could go, uh, what, what, what Stradrawa told, you know, if it hits, he's a first round pick. I don't know if he ever hit, I don't know if he ever gets to first round pick, but the trajectory has pretty much gone in that direction that he is now considered a legitimate NFL prospect and a, a real, um, you know, he's going to be on preseason all American lists, for for good reason because he went out and proved it last year. We all had him at eighteen for value, so we all agreed on that. Frankly, again, that that might be low because it's like take him off the field and are people freaking out? I think maybe so. Maybe it might be closer to nineteen, but we all did eighteen special. The average was sixteen. It was a seventeen, a sixteen, and a fifteen. I had him at seventeen. Uh, Stephen, you had him at fifteen for special. It is interesting. He was very good. How much more is there? I don't 
no. I it is it he's been around for a few years, but he's also I don't know that we have a firm grasp on him. So I do think it's an interesting evaluation to try to wrap your head. First of all, you can't wrap anything around Dewan Jones. You can't. I mean, it would take all kinds of like a whole, but a whole world of something. Um, but I, he is a little bit of a difficult guy to evaluate, even though he started for a whole year. I put him at 15 because any chance of him getting those other five points rests on a game that's not t- necessarily on the schedule right now. And it's like, what happens the next time he plays an Aiden Hutchinson level player, which would mean playing Bama or Clemson or somebody with that level of a defensive line. And that's not fluttered throughout Ohio State's schedule this year like it was in 2021, where there's Kayvon Thibodeau's and you know, the guy from Purdue. It's like every other week they were playing the guy who's a first-round, second-round edge rusher, and that's just not the case this year. And that's all that is left for him. It's like he's good in the running game. For the most part, he protected CJ. There weren't really issues until you got to that game. And so it's as Kevin Wilson said, what happens when you play an elite – edge rusher can those tackles get the job done then and we can't find that out until you know december at the earliest so i couldn't put him any higher than 15 7.81 that was 10th overall for the texters so he was actually a little behind some of these second year guys from the texters again it's hard to get a q rating on a right tackle um he he does he does have some special characteristics i mean he's so gigantic he seems like a really nice guy I think people are rooting for him because he was an under radar, under the radar guy, a diamond in the rough. He loved basketball. He kind of, we all know that story. I think Nathan, that story, right, is appealing. That this guy, we we don't have a ton of, you know, hey, you're a five star and you're great. That's the more normal Ohio State story. Hey, you're like not a top thousand recruit and you wound up a starter at Ohio State. We don't have these stories at much. So this is kind of an appealing story, Nathan. I think that's. A little bit of it, um, but really, I think for the most part, that was more of it before last year, and he proved himself. Like for better or for worse, everything that they did with the offensive line last year was to get him in the starting lineup, right? Like jostling yeah. guys around, moving guys, multi-year starters to other positions because they ne- thought that they needed to get Dewan Jones on the field. So I'm really intrigued by him for this coming year because. I think you bring up a good point was what we saw last year, the ceiling for him. And that's as good as you can get, which is actually very good. Or having gone through that experience, does Justin Fry get him to push to another level? Right. And it's interesting for all these offensive linemen under a new offensive line coach, when maybe people weren't in love with the old offensive line coach, a very nice guy, Greg Stutrival. But if people thought, oh, maybe you can have a guy who's going to do a better job. What's that going to mean for all these guys? You want to know where his real value is? The fact that he hit. Because imagine if he didn't hit and Ohio State missed out on J.C. Latham. Yeah, no, that's that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, hey, you missed on the five star, but you got this out of a two and a half yeah. star. Uh, it, it's sort of like we said about like with Thayer Munford, that Thayer Munford for four years yep. as a three and a half star patched a lot of holes. And so Ohio State does have guys like that sometimes for sure. Sometimes you need a big a, guy to patch a big hole and, you know, Buckeye talk. He, that's a really w- interesting thing to think about. Like if, if he doesn't blow up last year and they go with the lineup that we thought that they would, maybe Matt Jones started all year right now, you'd probably be, we'd be writing about a preseason camp battle between Dewan Jones and ooh, Josh Fryer to be the yeah. starting right tackle. 
Yeah. And we'd be talking about this offense in a slightly different way. Or we'd be talking about like, oh, do they need to move Donovan Jackson to tackle because they need someone there so bad? And if so, does that make them less on the interior? Like there's there are domino effects to what Don, what Dewan Jones did last year. All right. He's sixth. I don't think he could be any higher. I, I think there's a case for him being maybe slightly lower because I do think some of the special upside on some of these second year guys could push them past him, but he's, he's steadily in this spot. There's a gap between him and seven and there's a gap between him and five. He is, he is right in that six spot. And again, the value is really driving that here, but also he's a gigantic man with some long reach and quick feet and is a really good football player. When we come back, we will get into the top five. Who's fifth on our list of the most influential Buckeyes. We'll find out after this. All right, wrapping up this episode of Most Influential Buckeyes, we will have one more next week where we do the top four. Number five, it's 43.37. So this is a point and a half higher than Dewan Jones. Number four is 45.08. So it's also a point and a half lower than the person above him. It's sort of a tier by himself, and it's JT Tumalo out. Fifth on the list, Nathan, is this definitely a top five guy? He was eighth on my list, but again, like we're talking about like one point separating fifth through like five, six, seven, eight. You know what I mean? So it, it was a big cluster right there. I think it's defensible because as much as we talked about what Denzel Burke did last year, um, he had he stands out a little bit more having been on an island. But we've also talked about how special what JT Two and Malowau did coming in the in the summer and having a a year that didn't like, I guess, blow people away, but showed enough in such a short amount of time that you think that something very special could be right on deck for him. People are jacked up for this guy. Third in the texture Q rating, 9.03. Uh, and you can wow. probably imagine who number yeah. one and number two are third and how excited they are for this guy that pushed him a little bit, you think that's high from the texture, Steven? That's way too high. For starters, I had Donovan Jackson, Dewan Jones, and then I'm going to try something out this year. I'm just going to call him Jalen, just because that's his actual name. Um, and he's told us Who? that. So JT. His name is Jalen oh. Tuimaloau. It's either Jalen Tuimaloau or JT. And so I'm going to test that out, try to get away from the JTT thing this year. Um, I, I get it. And we, I mean, we've hyped it up as much as anybody else here, but like, because he's also paired with Zach and Jack, I think that brings down the value. Cause you just need one of those three guys to be a dude. We just all think that Jalen Tui Maloa is the best chance of being a dude. They need Donovan Jackson to be everything we think he is. So you because had Donovan enough- Jackson higher overall on your personal overall list. Yeah, I, I my my value my value for J, for Jalen was fourteen, and then my special for him was nineteen, and then for Dewan it was eighteen, and then fifteen, and then for Donovan it was fifteen and nineteen. So it wasn't like a big difference, but it's just they need Donovan Jackson to be everything he needs to be more than they need Jalen Tuimaloa, but just to be to be that because there's no option behind Donovan Jackson the same way there is behind Jalen Tuimaloa. Hmm. So I mean, the idea that they need a defensive end to pop and be great, but they do have three options, but he is the most likely candidate. And yeah, he's, he's a, 
he's a bit of an assumption. If we think, if we're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. as an assumption, I think people are kind of assuming that JT is going to play at close to an All-American level because he did show more last year over the course Mm -hmm. of the season. Talk about being on track. Like, hey, true freshman who showed up in July and you were impactful as a true, as a first year guy. And now you're back for year two. And we think you're going to be one of the best defensive players in the big 10 and an all American candidate that does track. I had his value much higher. I had his value at 18. Nathan had it at 17. Steven had it at 14, but Steven and I both had his special at 19. Nathan, you had it at 16. Is that correct? Yeah, and as I reconsider that, it probably should have been reversed um, at the very least, like 16 in impact and 17 in special, which is what I had for Marvin Harrison Jr. and Donovan Jackson. They were all tied with the same score. Um, I, I think that's probably how I would do it if I could get my time machine and go back to late April and do it again. But I think that with Tuimaloao, there are some other things that we've the way people talk about him, the things that we see with our eyes that aren't even things on the football field, the way we see him working out and stuff, he just, you get a vibe of him as a guy who's not going to leave a lot of that special um, unused. Like he's going to use his special. And I don't mm. know that you think that of necessarily every guy, just because they're highly ranked or whatever. It's not necessarily that you're even knocking those guys. Sometimes it's really hard to unlock the full potential, but he seems to have those intangibles that um, there's there's something in him that might blow up this year. He's like a grinder, but he's a five star. He's like a five star yeah. grinder. Yes. And yeah. I th- I think this comparison has been made just as kind of like a bigger defensive end who's not quite like the just like the Bosa Chase Young idea. But I think we've talked about Cam Hayward yeah. in relation to JT. And Cam Hayward was not quite a five star, but he was a big time recruit. But like Cam Hayward's like that. Cam Hayward is like, nobody's going to outwork me. I'm here every day. I show up early. I do more than necessary. And the result has been like a Hall of Fame career in the NFL. That's not fair. But I think that, I think I might in my head think that JT is Cam Hayward Jr. And I think it might affect my evaluation of him, Stephen. But that idea of, He's going to work his butt off. He got here and was unflappable in his preparation in a difficult spot to come so late and play so quickly. And also he's supremely talented. It does feel like, listen, there's a lot of supremely talented guys at Ohio state who also work very hard, but it does feel like there is a something about this guy that he might have all the components where there's really, really, really a chance for it to hit. I'm not saying it should be higher because I think the people above him on this list, I'm not sure anybody is trying to, is like, you know, oh, who's left? You guys can figure it out. But I think fifth on this list, he can't be any higher, but I also don't know that he should be any lower because, so let me ask you this. I agree with what you're saying, Stephen, about the idea of the other options at their position. There are fewer options behind Donovan Jackson than there are with JT. But is JT's position somewhat substantially more important that if you had to play Josh Fryer yeah. or Nakamahi, you could kind of patch it together at guard as your fifth best offensive lineman? And that if JT vanished and it was like, all right, we got the Jack and Zach sack attack, but that's kind of it. And if Jack's eh, not quite ready to play every down and Zach kind of is good, but not great, you'd miss JT a lot. 
Yeah, until the pocket's blown up and CJ can't get the ball to all these other valuable weapons he has. I I, I get with I, I agree with pretty much everything you guys were saying. It, for me, I just use those two as the best litmus test of the value special thing where it's like, okay, both of these guys I think are going to be equally special in their starting roles this year. But if you ask me right now, if I was only allowed to have one of them, which one would I not be okay with losing? I would lose sleep at night not having Donovan Jackson. While with JT, I'd be upset, but then I'd find some comfort in you know what's still on the table for me. As important as the offensive line is, if I had to pick one, I'd keep JT. So That's Nathan, fair. you're the you're the tiebreaker. If you had to pick one, who would you keep? I would also keep JT. Like the aliens are here. It's like. Uh, I mean, it's like Sophie's Choice, right? I mean, it's like the aliens are here yeah. and they've they've grabbed both of them and you have to go try to save and one first. This is not personal. This is just no. football and aliens. Because I guess here's the way I look at it. If, I talk. don't think yeah. uh, they don't need Donovan Jackson to be great. Like Donovan, if Donovan Jackson is great this year, the Ohio State offense will be great, but it's probably going to be great even if he's not great. But if JT Tumaloau is great this year, it raises potentially the whole defense or, or helps raise the whole defense. I guess you guys are having a when we're having the conversation we're having, you guys are looking at it more between Donovan Jackson and JT while I'm more comparing how much faith I have in the guys behind Donovan and JT. Yeah, you're looking more like offensive line and defensive line, the room. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to look, yeah, if if you if I'm going to look at it from your guys' perspective, yeah, I'd probably choose JT too. But if you're looking at it from my perspective, I think we choose Donovan. But either option is fine. They're both going to be really good players this year. Uh, I would say though, in the end, I think I think JT fifth here is probably exactly right Mm because I don't think he deserves to be any higher. But even though Denzel Burke played more last year, I think maybe he's the one. You know, Dewan played more last year, but JT's special value is higher than that. Jackson and Sawyer and MHJ just did not play as much. I think fifth for JT is, is, is right on the sweet spot that he deserves to be in the top five, but he's not above that. So um, I, I think we are, I think we're winding up in the right range. Again, as we think about this 10th, Marvin Harrison, ninth, Jack Sawyer, eighth, Donovan Jackson, seventh, Denzel Burke, sixth, Dewan Jones, fifth, JT Tumaloau. Nathan, does that, do you like that? Did we do this right? Do you like the order that those are the best, the bottom of the top 10 and the order those guys came in? We all have little adjustments here and there, but yeah. in general, it's a good list. Yeah, that's essentially what mine was. And uh, they, like I said, they were all kind of clustered together and uh, my top four made it through to the top four. So I, I got no qualms. Steven, did your top four make it through to the top four? Yeah. And okay, I'm interested to see if the order is the exact. My, so far... The only person who's not anywhere near where I had him ranked is Matthew Jones, and that's because I had him higher than we ended up being. But, yeah, everything okay. else has been good. Okay. Uh, all right, so that's it for this version of Ohio State's Most Influential Players for 2022. We will be back next week with the top four. And I've enjoyed the exercise. I hope you guys are enjoying listening to it. Six one No, what's, yeah, 614-350-3315. That's the text number. That's the text number. If you want to join, we'd love to have you. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. And if you're not subscribed to Buckeye Talk, well, just subscribe and then we just pop right in your phone. For Stephen Meads, for Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.